Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast, a ministry of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. All this week, for both our free and premium subscribers, we are featuring messages from the 2023 Bible Conference in Perth, Australia. The conference theme, Taking the Gospel into the Nations. As always, thanks for listening and enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. What an honor it is to be here with you again in conference, and I see how full it is already. We're in for a great week, and uh, what a great privilege uh, it is for Lisa and I uh, to be here in conference with you. We were sent from this congregation in 1986, so we owe a great debt Uh, to Australia, to this congregation, and uh, always in our hearts. So the the fact that I get to come back and preach is an incredible joy. Amen. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 24. This is the, the conference theme, Scripture. In history, once people made the connection that tsunamis are caused by earthquakes people began to develop tsunami warning systems. But that was only at a local level. If an earthquake happened where you were, then they would warn the people there, there's probably a good chance that a tsunami is going to come. But after an earthquake in the nation of Chile caused a tsunami that killed people in Hawaii and Japan, People realized that people living in other places were in the same danger as locals, so the warning needed to be spread wider. This ultimately led to what's called the Worldwide Tsunami Warning System. And this is what is in place today. That is a little illustration of what we're going to read in our text. Jesus tells of the danger the whole world faces. And our responsibility is to preach the gospel to the entire world. This is our, the theme of our conference. What I want to preach on tonight, the beginning of our conference, is the gospel to the nations. Let's read Matthew 24, 12 through 14. The Bible says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Let's look first of all at the gospel to the nations. In our text, Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. So you understand where it falls in the book of Matthew. This is final instructions, the last bit of his teaching ministry and preaching ministry. So Jesus is summing up his heart. He is telling us what is most important to God. And in our text, he gives us our call. Our call is preaching. Verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached. Gospel means good news. It is declaring what has already been accomplished. Christianity is not self-help, what you need to do to help yourself or try hard. We preach the gospel which is the finished work of Jesus Christ. And our text says it's the gospel of the kingdom. The message that we preach, the good news includes this, the king must rule. We're not preaching tried Jesus. Christians have fun too. We are to declare a message and that is you must surrender to the king. And it tells us the method that we will use to get this message out. Verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached. It must be declared. People are always looking for alternate methods to preaching and declaring. I was in a restaurant one time, hands were greasy, reaching for the serviette from the dispenser and out popped a gospel track. Ooh, tricky. (laughs) Get your greasy hands clean and salvation too. Ah. They want to put messages on shirts and pens and golf balls and social media is going to be the key to reaching the world. But our text says the gospel must be declared. It is primarily, we may use a lot of different ways, but primarily it is a vocal expression. The gospel of the kingdom must be declared with our mouths. We witness, every believer is to be a witness. Acts 8 says, they went everywhere preaching the the word. We use outreach. We have regular times of evangelism. And we have outreaches, which is either find a crowd or create a crowd and preach. So this is Jesus. He says our call is preaching. But the aim of preaching must include expansion. Verse 14, in all the world as a witness to all the nations. From the beginning of covenant relationship with uh, with man, God showed his heart for the nations. Genesis 12, 3, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Literally, all the people on earth, he tells Abram uh, at that time, through you, they are to be blessed or to be helped. So this is the pattern. Abram is the father of the faith. He is a pattern or a template of what we are to be. And in Abram, we see God sends a man someplace beyond his national borders. And he tells Abram, if you're going to be in relationship with me, you are expected to reach the entire world. I declare to you the world for us is beyond whatever nation you live in. Our text gives the logic of missions. Verse 14, the gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. 
Witness, it, it is talking about evidence. So a verdict can be reached. So a decision can be made. And the reason why we have to reach the nations is because there are nations that have no witness at all. Billions of people right now, they do not know what you know. It's estimated that over 4 billion people right now are unsaved in our world. They're on their way to hell right now. Approximately 2 billion people who, of those 4 billion that are unsaved have never heard the name of Jesus one time, Brother Rohenfeld says he's ministering to people who have never heard of Jesus. They've never had the benefit of a gospel witness. More than 16 million people died, went into eternity last year, and they never heard the gospel one time. This is why Jesus says our call is to give a gospel witness to the nations. Psalm 67, verse 2, that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Mark 16, 15, go into all the world. And Matthew 28, 19, make disciples of all nations. Preaching the gospel to the nations is the legacy of the Australian Fellowship. My father, Wayman Mitchell, is the founder of of our entire fellowship that originally began in the church I pastor now in Prescott, Arizona. My father was saved in 1953 and from the earliest days of his salvation, he loved missions. In his church that he was saved in, they would show movies of a man named T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne in these in these old films. It would show crusades of T.L. Osborne preaching in Indonesia and Holland and Africa and the Philippines and Mexico and all different places. And when my father would see that something on the inside would be stirred. Every time they had a missionary come preach, he would get that with them and, and would talk to them because he had a heart. He would pray for the nations and give for the nations. Had a man from his home church in later years that he became a missionary to Perth, West Australia, wound up becoming the supervisor of uh, Foursquare churches in this area. In 1977, he invited my dad to come preach in Australia. And this is what he did. Dad spent a month preaching all up and down in West Australia in different churches, not knowing anything about the culture. And he was amazed and thrilled as he preached, knowing the response he got in America and other nations. He saw that the gospel worked exactly the same in Australia as it did in other places. 
He was so thrilled. He, he financed him, paid for uh, an entire band to come. And all these were pastors, but they played in a band and he sent them to come. They did outreach just like we do in America. And he found that when playing music and declaring the gospel, it worked exactly the same as it did in other places. And dad said, I want to reach Australia. July of 1978, in a conference just like this, sent the very first couple. Finances were raised. It was actually the first time that we'd ever taken an international offering to launch a church. And the couple in July of 1978, that couple came to Perth, West Australia. When my father died in 2020, you know, I got an inheritance, I got stuff. My most treasured possessions that I got from my father, I have his old Bibles. Because it's a living legacy you can see through the years of what God was speaking to him. I have some pictures I want to show you. The first one here is, uh, this is in 1978. May 31, 1978, he's making preparations to send a worker there. And God had spoken something to him. I'll send you far from here unto the Gentiles. That notation, what he had in mind was Australia. Shortly after, just a couple of months after, he sent the first worker and planted the church here in Perth. In 1980, God spoke to my father and told him he wanted him to go to Perth. And so he, uh, he surrendered to God and said, yes, that's what I would do. No one else knew that he was going to do this yet. And as he was traveling, sometimes he would get words and sometimes it would be what God was speaking to him. The next picture here is from his Bible and this uh, 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 speaks, and you'll see here, the abundance of the sea shall be converted to you. The forces of the Gentiles shall come to you. And there it was, God spoke to him. This is going to be an Australian thrust. He wrote this in November of 1980. God was already telling him what was going to happen in Australia. Next picture. I want you to see this. If you are from any Asian nation, I want you to see what God spoke to him. Look at verse 5. The sons of the alien be your plowmen, vine dressers. This is a word that someone gave him and said the potter's house, the only place in the world that we were called the potter's house at that time was in Perth. Potter's house will have Asian ministry. That's in November of 1980. God was already speaking to him that we were going to plant churches in Asian nations. The next picture here is in uh, uh, 1981, January of 1981 in the conference. People were shocked when he announced that he was going to go overseas and come to Australia. We weren't going to leave until June. They actually were waiting for me to finish school. And uh, here... He says in Acts uh, or uh, uh, Psalm 2.8, ask of me, I'll give you the heathen for an inheritance out of most parts of the earth for your possession. And God spoke to him, that is for Australia. And you see there the notation, March 20 of 1981, God told him what was going to happen. In June of 1981, our family came. And I want you to understand how different it was for my father. 
When we moved to Prescott, Arizona in January of 1970, it was a, a little town of 13,000 people. That's it. 13,000. Out of 13,000, it was white, white, white. There were a few hundred Mexicans. The entire time I grew up, there were only five black families. That was it. Everyone was white. When my dad got to Perth, he saw how unique Australia was, a melting pot of the nations. He saw that there were people in the church already. They had passports to other nations. They had easy access to other nations. And he came to believe that God had raised up Australia to reach the nations. And that was the vision that he had for Australia. When my father was here, he began to plant churches from Australia to the nations. Frank Schwerer, he testified tonight, the church he's pastoring, it was from here into Germany was the very first international church that was ever planted. And then, uh, I'm not trying to put these in order, but New Zealand, Philippines, Scotland, England, Papua New Guinea, Indonesia, Taiwan, on and on and on, churches began to be planted from Australia. And now, as of 2023, March of 2023, we see the legacy of obedience to God's will and God's call today from the Australian Fellowship, now represented 344 churches in 31 different nations. Thank God. Praise God. Because that is our call. It is literally to bring the gospel to the nations. Let's look at a second thing. I want to talk about heart hindrance. The greatest hindrance to the work of God is not Satanists. It's not humanism. It's not politicians. Our text says the greatest hindrance to the work of Jesus Christ is the hearts of his followers. Verse 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. See, the foundation of both salvation and ministry is love. Matthew 22, 37 through 40, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. First, love for God, then love for people. I declare to you, you cannot love people unless you love God first. You have to get the order right or you're not going to last John 21, 16, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Then tend my sheep. Love is the absolute foundation of uh, ministry and reaching the gospel to the nations. Love for God, which is based on gratitude. Listen, are you still glad are you still thankful for what God has done? Can you still remember? 
I still remember the night that I got saved in 1978. I still remember what it felt like, like a weight of guilt and shame left me. I have never forgotten that. Luke 7, 47, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. Love for God is based on gratitude. It's based on relationship. I just showed you a few verses. My father's Bibles are a treasure to me. I can see the chapters of life. I remember growing up seeing my father read his Bible always in prayer. He had a relationship. People used to ask him, how have you survived betrayal and put up with all the things that happened? I have a relationship with God. Love for God is based on worship. We Worship God because he deserves it, not for what he does. But then there needs to be love for people. I told you about billions who are on their way to hell. Billions who have never heard of Jesus Christ. We have to care about that. About people's lost state. Matthew 9, 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. For they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So that's the foundation. But our text says love can be lost. Verse 12, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. See, you have to maintain love over time. Grow cold. It's, it's describing people. Perhaps it is. You used to burn with love for God, but not anymore. It used to move you, the idea that people were on their way to hell and lost without Jesus Christ, but not anymore. You have to maintain love over time. Your number one priority as a Christian, as a pastor, you have to maintain a vital relationship with God. 1 Timothy 4.16, take heed to yourself. You are the equipment when you go. Your laptop, your video screen that you're going to put pictures of eagles in the background while you have song service. That is not what's important. You are the equipment. I look at my father's Bible. He had a daily living relationship with God. You have to maintain that over time. You cannot allow disappointment with God to cause distance from God. Listen, there will be things that will happen in life. There'll be situations, there'll be crises and tragedy, disappointments and reversals. And you're, you're, you're going to go, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm trying to do your will. Why should this happen? You cannot allow the things you don't understand about the way God is working cause distance from God. John eleven twenty. 20, when Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary stayed sitting in the house. And you cannot allow entitlement to cause resentment toward God. In every conference, 
while our brothers on the opening night were talking about the good things that God was doing, no doubt there are people going, why them? I'm a better human being than they are. I work harder. God, I've worked hard. I've sacrificed. I should be blessed. I should succeed. I should have been given that church. And some people, they let entitlement, feeling, I deserve, their love grows cold. And then you have to maintain love in spite of violations. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. This is not just talking about an atmosphere of lawlessness in the world that mysteriously makes your love for God go away. It's talking about the lawless things. People will break boundaries against you. New converts will backslide. People will be ungrateful. People will disrespect you. People will talk bad about you. <laughs> You're not going to escape it. In fact, Jesus is telling his disciples about something that they would soon do to him. Knowing full well, in just a few short days, not one of them is going to stand up for him and yet he still had love for them. Listen, you cannot let the violations of you. There is nothing sadder than seeing a pastor and his wife who hate everybody. <laughs> Years ago at a Prescott conference, Pastor Mitchell was praying for the sick. A man, he was a pastor and he, he had back pain. He said, brother, you know how dad would do it? Get the microphone. Who do you hate? Put the microphone right in his mouth. <laughs> and the pastor said, my whole church. <laughs> 1990, we had our very first rebellion. Some leaders... Over 100 pastors left the fellowship. This absolutely blindsided my father. He, he could not believe because he had come from the church world. He, he was so thrilled. Why would anyone ever want to leave this? But they did. People that he had poured money and time and investment and love and patience into. They burned him. They violated him. They ripped off investment in many different places. And so he began to have a conversation with himself. Why should I plant churches if I pour my life into men, plant them out, and later on they're just going to leave, rip us off, and do damage as they go? And so he resolved it himself then I won't plant churches anymore. That was what he was wrestling with. Think about that. Our future as a fellowship hung in the balance of whether his heart was going to grow cold. But God spoke to him and told my father, 
You just obey me. You do what I told you to do and you leave the outcome to me. And thank God, my father said, I am not letting my heart grow cold. Let's look at one final thought. Let's talk about seeing the end. In our text, Jesus is speaking to them at the beginning of their ministries. But his focus is on the end. Verse 14, and then the end shall come. See, all of life is headed for the end. This world is not going to continue as it is right now. The Bible speaks of the last days, end times. We can see signs that point to the end. I do lots and lots and lots of flying. I fly, of course, commercially. I also fly in a small plane. I don't know if you happen to notice when you landed, when you were coming here, every runway at either end has white stripes. You know what they're there for? If you ever see white stripes, you're coming to the end. (laughs) If you haven't taken off yet, you're in trouble. If you're landing and there's white stripes, you better throw out the anchor because you are running out of runway. That's what it means. You're coming to the end. Matthew 24, 33, in the same way, when you see these things, you can know his return is very near right at the door. Think about some signs of the end. It's fascinating. The Bible speaks about the battle of Armageddon and talks about the king's of the East, and we know the largest king of the East is China. People in Jerusalem didn't even know that China existed in those days. But God knew the future that there would be a major world power from the East, economic, political, military strength. I see all through the world in Pacific Islands, in Africa, in Latin American countries, China is buying access to nations, gaining great influence, and God knew that in advance. The Bible speaks about an alignment between Russia uh, and Iran. We've seen in the last few weeks, Iran has been supplying drones and missiles to Russia for the war in Ukraine. Just this morning when I woke up, I saw the news that Russia has now agreed to transfer enriched uranium to Iran. They're going to use them for nuclear weapons of which they have made their stated aim to wipe Israel off the map. That was just this morning. I, I, I'm telling you very shortly, Israel will have no choice. They have to take Iran out if they're going to survive. And God knew this. The Bible speaks in Ezekiel 38 about a battle that is coming. It will be a battle for plunder that Israel will have wealth that to Russia and other allied nations, they are going to covet, they're going to 
want their wealth. February 21, when I was working on this sermon, Israel, they already have one of the largest supplies of natural gas and have been exporting to Europe. But they also now are starting to export oil. February 21, they sold their first shipment of oil to Europe, 320,000 barrels of oil. So God just put these things in place in the same way you see the white stripes. You're right at the end. God says, I let you see these things so that you understand we don't have all the time in the world. And our text says, and then the end will come. Some people believe preaching the gospel to all the world ushers in the return of Jesus Christ. That text that I just quoted, this gospel shall be preached in all the world to all the nations and then the end will come. They believe the idea is that every nation, every tribe, every ethnic group, every language group must have a, a witness of Jesus Christ. And the idea is that the moment that the last nation or people group has a gospel witness, then Jesus will return. Many years ago, this was actually a campaign and like in the 19. 30s and 40s, there was a campaign called bringing back the king. That, that's a noble cause. In other words, Oswald J. Smith headed this up in Toronto, Canada, and he said, we need to preach the gospel to all the nations so the king can return, so Jesus can come back. That, that's a very noble cause. Now, I don't personally believe God is held up by people. I don't believe God's like, come on already. Because if that was true, we could delay his return. We could literally keep pushing it off. Bible says he already knows the hour. So I don't believe that that's exactly true. But the return of Jesus Christ and the coming judgment on the world is the greatest motivation to preach the gospel to the nations. Historically, the most passionate witnesses for Jesus Christ are those who believe, like we do in our fellowship, we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. We believe that Jesus Christ is going to catch up every true believer as fast as you can blink. We will disappear off this earth and then will come seven years of hell on earth and then everyone on earth will face a literal hell. And people who believe that historically are the ones who witness the most. Not kingdom now, not we're going to change the world and take over politics and Hollywood. No, people who believe in the rapture, the Jesus movement, our entire fellowship originally in Prescott, Arizona was birthed out of the Jesus movement. Late 1960s, early 1970s, there was a national revival. God's spirit was moving across America and uh, uh, people were drawn to churches. It was beyond outreach. It was supernatural. 
It was a revival of evangelism when hippies started getting saved. Once they gave their heart to Jesus, they wanted to witness. A man named Preston Nix, I was reading uh, this man, he studies revival, but he himself was saved in the Jesus movement. He said one of the biggest things to come out of the Jesus movement was that we wanted our friends to be saved. We wanted everyone to know the Lord. The signature song of the Jesus movement was, I wish we'd all been ready. He said, we didn't want our friends to be left behind when the rapture came. It is the motivation that we have. Uh, the motivation is because the rapture marks the end of opportunity to evangelize. John 9, 4. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day for night is coming when no one can work. The Bible talks about the fullness of the Gentiles. Right now, people who get saved are almost entirely Gentile, non-Jews. Very few Jews get saved currently. They can, but very few because we are in the time of the Gentiles, but the Bible speaks about the fullness of the Gentiles. That means when God's plans for the non-Jewish nations are complete, the fullness of the Gentiles means God already knows the day and the hour when the very last Gentile convert will be saved. Maybe it will be in an outreach or an altar call in the potter's house. I don't know. But he says, God will say, and now is the end. If that day was today, I'm sure there are people in this conference that you're not right with God. If that was the altar call tonight where the last Gentile convert got saved, would that be good news for you or bad news? For believers here, for pastors here, if that was today, would there be satisfaction? I did God's will or would there be regrets? I want them to put up one final picture here. And you notice here it says Perth, 1981 islands reached. And the underlines coasts afar off those who have not heard my name. I know my father's handwriting very well. You'll see that this is very shaky. It says Perth 1981. He didn't write that in 1981. I know by his handwriting that was written very probably in the last year of his life. So what my father was doing is he's looking back. 1981 to him was the most significant year of his life. You know, my father had Alzheimer's. I took him to the doctor to get assessed for Alzheimer's. They, you know, they start with standard questions. And the very first question they asked him, they said, do you know what year it is? And he said, 1981. <laughs> Which makes sense because 1981 in his mind was the marking point of his life. But here in the, put the picture back up. Don't take it off yet <laughs> until I say. But now he's looking back. 
1981, June of 1981 is when he came here to accelerate the work of God. And in looking back, he writes, islands reached. My father is looking back with satisfaction. My father loved Australia. You cannot believe how many notes in his Bibles are about Australia. But here he's writing, looking back on his life, and he's not looking back with regrets. Oh man, I should have done the will of God. Oh, I wish I would have worked harder. No, he's looking back and he's saying, I did what God wanted me to do. And I am looking out now with satisfaction knowing my father's impact on this nation. You are here because my father did the will of God. He understood in 1981, he believed that Jesus could come back. He never would have believed that he would die before the rapture. But he always believed knowing the end was coming. So therefore, I want to do everything I can to preach the gospel to the nations. That is what has to be decided this week. That's why we're here. I'm not telling you these things as a nostalgia tour. My father is the gold standard of what we should be. That's how I want to go out. At the end of my life, I want to look back and say, I did everything I could to preach the gospel to the nations. What about you? Because that's what we're going to do. Some of you came this week. Your love is growing cold. You're tired of the things of God. You're tired of people. This week, you need a miracle of God. God has to revive your heart. Others of you, you have started straying. You're playing now at ministry. You do not want to end your life looking back on regrets. I could have done more. I should have done what God told me to do years ago. So that's why we have conference. We're going to come and I'm giving you a challenge on the opening night. This is the spirit that we need to have. We make up our mind. God, we do not want our love to grow cold, but we want to preach the gospel to the nations. Let's bow our heads. Close our eyes all across this place. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp. 
where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe, because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.